God, for your provision for us. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we get to uh, be together. And we pray that you would help us to worship you well as we open your word and uh, see what you have to say this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. My name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell. Welcome here. If you're just joining us for the first time or you've been here forever, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful to welcome new guests, and we are especially thankful if you are uh, an old faithful. We know that this has been a stretch, and uh, we are certainly thankful for your loyalty and commitment. Thank you for being part of the family in Midland Free. I was thinking about uh, our current situation, and um, someone was talking to me this week about their experience in various parts, and um, I certainly don't necessarily have the intent of, in this time where we need to hear from God in His Word, taking a position on any highly contentious um, controversy, but I thought of a few words that somewhat summarize the polarization of our time, and the words that came to mind were just taken out of the headlines, and they were these, Russian hackers, global pandemic, antitrust lawsuits, racial injustice, riots, hurricanes, floods, uncertainty, unemployment, the rapidly accelerating state of change, contentious elections, polarization, cyberbullying, hate just to name a few, not to mention the regular old everyday pressures of family, interpersonal relationships, responsibilities, health struggles, the daily grind, and personal economic pressure. Where in the world do I go in the midst of the storm? Where do I go and how do I get there? Those are the two questions I'd like to answer for us today from John chapter 15. In the midst of the storm, where do we go and how do we get there? Two questions. John chapter 15, this is a story of, or it's actually a story that Jesus tells about a vine and some branches. John chapter 15, the words are going to be up on the screen and I will... Read them to you as well. If you have your Bibles, feel free to follow along. And uh, if you're joining us at home, just watch the screen. You'll see those at the bottom. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord to you today. It says this. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And the song we sang earlier, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you may love one another. Father, again, I I just thank you for your word. I know we've prayed once, but I need to pray again, and I thank you for the truth that is here. I thank you for the word of the Lord Jesus Christ that's spoken to us today. In his name we pray. Amen. So as you can see, I've got a nice little olive tree um, in front of me. It's a tree. I recognize that. This is not a a vine, technically, but this is the best we could pull out of our storage closet for illustration purposes. So here it is. This is an always green, nice plastic tree that always has olives on it. But that said, I think you still understand the nature of this analogy that Jesus is using. It's not that complex, a vine and the branches. We don't have to talk about fancy science or photosynthesis or anything else to know what's going on here. In order for these branches to survive, in order for them to do well, they have to be connected to the source of their life and nourishment. In this case, it would be the tree in a vine, a vine. That vine goes into the soil. From the soil, it soaks up all the good stuff that it needs and brings it back up to the branches. When it rains, they can soak up moisture. There's all kinds of cool stuff going on there. But in essence, in order for this thing to survive, especially for it to bear fruit, These branches have to be connected to the vine. So when the storms come and the winds blow, there's a good psalm about that. We'll read here in just a little bit. Psalm 1. How does this thing survive? By staying connected to the vine. Then in Jesus' analogy, it's really not that much different for us. If there are storms in our life and we want to survive the winds of change and everything else, where do we go? The answer, of course, is Jesus. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, I don't know, talk down to you or whatever else, but even though it seems like such a simple answer, it is such an essential answer because here's a quote from... I'm Dr. Borchett in the New American Commentary, and I, I want to point this out because it's, it's a beautiful way of summarizing it. And this slide says this, that Jesus is the mediator of life and sustenance. He is the mediator of life and sustenance. Often we think of him just as a mediator of you know, forgiveness of sins, but it's more than that. It is our every essential breath, our strength, our encouragement, our motivation, our reason for living, everything there possibly is that is good, that is wrapped up within needs of humanity, Jesus is. 
He is the only one who can keep me in the storm. He is what we Christians call the God-man. So important that we understand both his deity and his humanity. His absolute power and perfection and his connection with us. Without one or the other, he would not be the vine that supplies us. But because he is God the Son, then he is connected to the infinite God the Father where all the resources reside. And because he is man, then he is also connected to us. And as a result, he becomes that mediator of life and sustenance that through him all the good things that we need are supplied. This is so essential because I think in our culture, you know, we experience pain, we experience difficulty, we experience suffering. And there's a lot of things we can do to help with that. For example, if you're not sleeping well, you need to get a good night's sleep. The way God designed the human body is pretty simple. If you don't sleep, you suffer. And so we know, like sleep and suffering, there are some things that go sort of hand in hand. If you have a fever, you need your fever to break to feel better. And I think what happens is eventually we begin to apply that logic to everything. You know, if I'm hungry, I just eat more food. If I need more money, I just get a new job or work harder or whatever else. And we start to think that we can supply all of our life and sustenance. And that, you know, if I'm bored, I just need to go to a good movie. Or if I don't feel happy, then I just need to find something to cheer me up or if there's some lack in my life then I just need to buy it and replace it and get a new one or whatever and this will fix my problems and help me feel better and indeed there are simple one for ones I mean fever you feel bad it goes away you feel better I get that but here's the thing all of those things are so temporary there is only one thing that is eternal and true and that is Christ himself look if if we think something else will fulfill us, eventually that fulfillment goes away and we have to go after it again and again and again and it's never enough. We're never satisfied. Our hearts are ceaseless idol factories. They just keep making more one, more and more and more and as soon as we get what we thought would help, we need something else. The only thing that is truly satisfying and eternal is Jesus, the God-man. He is the only perfect person. He's not just God, but he is a person. It's not just this impersonal force, but it is a specific human being that you can go to and have a relationship with. And that, of course, is damaged, in a sense, by all of our experiences with someone else. We know from other relationships that inevitably other people let us down. That is a common experience. And it may not even be intentional. They may be good people who love us very much. They may be our spouse and we just hope they'd say the right thing, just magically know it, and yet, oh, they didn't read our minds. What's wrong with them? And they let us down. But Jesus, on the other hand, Jesus actually can read your mind. He knows what you need. He was there in that moment. He experienced everything you did. He saw, he understands, and unlike everything, anyone else nobody else sees everything that jesus sees only jesus knows every minute exactly what you need he is the only one who truly listen to you you know when you try to share your heart with someone else and then they start telling their story or whatever else or they fix it and you feel like man they didn't really even hear Jesus will listen better than your dog, better than your best friend, better than anyone else. He will truly listen to you. He is the only one who will truly listen, who will truly care, 
who sees everything, who is always faithful, who never forgets, will never let you down, and will always love you unconditionally no matter what. Jesus is the one to go to, the person, the real live person. So number one, where do I go in the midst of the storm? The only place to go, there's really only one, is Jesus. If you need that affirmation, if you need that love, just say it out loud or say it in your heart to him. Say, Jesus, I need you. I feel like I need it right now. Here's what I need. Where are you, Lord? I need it. Go to Jesus. Point one is go to Jesus. It's not that hard. He's the vine, we're the branches. The only place to get life and sustenance, the nourishment that we need, is from Christ. Well, very good. Then, pastor, go to Jesus. Got that. But how? How do I do it? It's not like Meyer. I mean, if we're talking about Meyer, we know how to get there, right? Like, if you just go that way, you're going to run into Meyer. <laughs> if you walk through the field or if you, if you want to, you know, follow the sidewalk or you can go down the road. But either way, you're going to find Meyer if you go that way. You're going to make it. It's not that hard. There is a physical location of Meyer, but where is Jesus? Where is he? How can I go to him? Well, the cool thing about Jesus, as you probably know if you've been in church, is that he is everywhere all the time, but he also has a specific location as well. Physically, he is in heaven, and spiritually, he is in us. Physically, Jesus is located in heaven, and admittedly, we are not there yet. Obviously, we are not in heaven. So how do we connect with someone who is far away from us? Perhaps someone who is in heaven. I have a little bit of a personal story to share this morning. You know my father is in heaven. My dad, my actual dad is in heaven. Uh, He died a few years ago of Alzheimer's. And um, it's interesting, obviously, when you experience that and the way you grieve through various things. And uh, I don't know what I was doing in my basement one day, going through papers, scanning stuff, getting rid of old tax documents or whatever. And I found this. Like, oh, what is that? And I started to read it, and I realized it was a note to me from my father. I was like, oh, I got to hang on to this. This is his own hand. Like, this is his handwriting. This is not an email. This is not a vocal text dictation. This is my father's actual letter that he wrote to me. Not a grocery list, not some other receipt, but a letter from my dad to me. And boy, does it mean a lot then. I mean, you can see I've got it in a sheet protector here and I I pull it out when I think of him or need it because it draws me in and helps me feel closer to him because I understand these are his very words, like his words written in pen inscribed with his own hand. And I look at that and say, oh, there's my dad. I mean, it's not physically my dad. Obviously, I know that, but there's not a lot of other things like that. What am I going to use, his old jeans or his shirt? No, that doesn't mean anything. And I don't necessarily even need his old his old assets like where it's his tools or whatever else those don't necessarily make me feel closer to him but this thing that has my name on it that is written to me and signed by my father is a big deal 
And then I started thinking about the Word of God and how we have that, you know, sitting in front of us. I, I have my Bible down on the table today. I'm using my electronic Bible to see certain things. But we have God's Word. We have the Word of Christ inscribed and written down on paper to us. Sure, Jesus is in heaven, and that seems like a really far way away. But if you want to feel close to him, what do you do? You get in his word. Look at this text as you go all throughout it and what you see about abiding in Jesus. For example, in John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words in you, like those words are as close to him as we can get right now. Those are his physical words inscribed for us. And if you want to feel close to him, here's a great place to start. It doesn't mean you have to have a master's in literature or be a Nobel laureate or anything else. This letter, I mean, look at it. It's one page. Any of us can read this much. I'm not asking you to be a Bible scholar or a theologian or be able to remember all the names of this and that. I'm just saying if you want to feel close to Jesus, check out his word to you. And as you read it, you will see that Christ is speaking to your very heart. There's an old analogy, uh, um, I don't know where it comes from, there's multiple versions on the internet, but I think it's a good illustration. I've experienced this. My son, one of them, started getting into Bible trivia, and of course I'm a pastor, so he's like, hey dad, want to play Bible trivia? I'm like, no, no, no. Demonstrate my ignorance as fast as you can and prove that you know more than me. I'm not interested. (laughs) You win, I quit. Play it with your mother, (laughs) you know. I'm sure I will mess up something and... All of a sudden, that'll go that way. But here's the thing. There's this old old grandpa, and he's talking to his grandson, and his grandson's, you know, asking him about um, something or another, and the grandpa says, all right, take this coal basket and go down to the river and fill it up with water and bring it back. It's a wicker basket. So the kid goes down the river, fills it up, brings it back, all the water, Falls out on the ground. Kid's like, ah, I can't do it. Grandma's like, I'll run a little faster. Maybe next time. Goes back. Comes back. No luck. Grandpa, this is not going to work. I'm never going to get filled up by using this basket. He's like, try it one more time. Just try. Kid runs down the river, brings the basket back. And utterly frustrated, he said, Grandpa, what's the point? He said, look, when you're in the Word, here's the thing. You may not remember all that you read. Some of it's going to fall through the cracks. But look at the basket. It's different now, isn't it? It's changed. And sure enough, all the dark had been washed away and that wicker basket was clean and the child realized this is what happens when he reads the word. You may not remember everything you read. You may not become the world's greatest Bible scholar. I won't become the world's greatest Bible scholar. But it will change you and it will clean you and it will cleanse you when it washes over you. And does what only the Spirit of God can do through His Word mediated to you. This is our life and sustenance. This is how we connect to the branch or or the vine. This is how we, the branches, plug into Him as we grab a hold of Jesus' words written to us. 
Now I need to make one little clarification. Again, in John chapter 15, verse 7, this is one that um, people who want to manipulate the Bible or other things for their own purposes will grab a hold of without seeing the rest of the text. And so when this, screen, this one comes up on the screen or when um, you see it before you, you'll see John chapter 15, verse 7. And it says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then all of a sudden, God's people said, Amen. You know, I just got done hearing Pastor Jeremy say, read the word. And so I guess if I read the word or get in the letters of Christ that I get whatever I want. <laughs> Does that work? Kiddos, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but um, anyone who's been around for a little while knows that they've probably tried for one thing or another, and it doesn't always work. You don't always get what you want. So what's going on here? Essentially, again, what this is, is connecting with Jesus. And it's like a marriage relationship where you have a couple people who have been married for a long time, and one person begins to say something, and the other fills in their sentences. And someone else is looking at him like, how in the world did you do that? Well, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Like we think even almost the same on certain things, not on everything. There's differences. That's why people still go to marriage conferences. But in some ways you become united and you become one and all of a sudden you began to have the same will and same thought and same mind and you realize that you're desires are exactly the same as well. That's what happens when you take part in this incredible mystic union that we have with Jesus. In Christ, Paul always says, to describe this mysterious thing, you can learn more about it in the life group questions. I won't talk about it a lot today. But there's this thing called the mystic union with Jesus, where although he is physically in heaven, he is spiritually united to us via the Holy Spirit, And as a result, we are more and more becoming one with him. And as we are one with him, and as we are united with him, we begin to think like he does, we begin to act like he does, and we begin to want what he does. And all of a sudden, when we want what he does, you know what we do? We start filling in his sentences. And we start to pray. And the things that Jesus would say, we say. Because we are united to him. And we are becoming one with him. And we are becoming more like him. And all of a sudden, it's not our will, but his. And how did that happen? I don't know. Long time walking with Christ. And the longer it's been, the more we've connected. And the more we've connected, the more we've grown together. And the more we've grown together, the more our words just seem to come out the same. There are some differences. There's things we're still working on. But it's pretty uncanny and it's pretty cool. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not saying go ask for a Porsche, go ask for a Ferrari, go ask to win the lottery or claim this, whatever. No, 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 no. He's saying his desires will become your desires. And when you pray Jesus' desires, you get what you want. When you pray what Jesus wants, it will happen. That we can claim. We know that God will accomplish his purpose. And so when you pray his purposes, you will get what you want. When you pray your purposes, you may or may not, most likely not. 
But when you pray his, then it's a guarantee. If you abide in him, if, hear that start of the sentence, if you abide in him and his words abide in you, then whatever you ask, it will be done for you. There's some pretty big contingencies there that probably most of us can't claim every single day. Yes, Lord, I've been walking with you consistently all day today. I've been in your word. I'm connected. Here we go. That's probably more rare than common, actually. But that's the key. How do you want to connect to the vine? Number one, if you want to connect to Jesus, connect with Jesus' word. Connect to Jesus' word. Let his words flow through you. And as they do, you will abide in him. Connect through Jesus, through his word. Secondly, connect through Jesus, through his body, through his body. Now, wait a minute. I thought you said his body was in heaven. Yes, that's his spiritual location, or his physical location, excuse me. But his spiritual location, his, his, physical, his spiritual body is here. Look at 1 Corinthians. I'll show it up on the screen here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says this. Do you not know, and here's the key, the you here is plural. Do you yourselves not know, do you all, good old southern term, do you all not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Your body, not just individual believers, but this is the second person plural. This is the one another of the New Testament. You all, this group, the sacred assembly, the called out, the chosen, the people of God, you are the body of Christ on earth. We're it. When we are gathered together, we experience the physical presence of Jesus. Now that is weird, I get it, but that's the reality that's going on there. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, because he lives inside of you, because he lives inside of you, because he lives inside of you. When you come, you bring the Holy Spirit. When I come, I bring the Holy Spirit. And you bring a little different gift, and I bring a little different gift, and you start putting those things together, and all of a sudden you get a body. And there are all these different parts. And when all the parts are together, then it functions and you begin to experience Christ's body. But you can't if that body falls apart or is torn up or separated or goes its own way. It doesn't work. You know that from your physical experience. If one part doesn't work, the rest suffers. That's how we are as a church. We're the body. You all. Second person plural. You, because you have the Holy Spirit, given a gift, are given a responsibility, and are called to be part of the body. And that's the thing, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's a little hard, but I get it. How do, how do we as individuals, you know, connect physically with Christ? One of the ways is to be in church. And some people say things like, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And that's a little weird. It's a little weird because it would be like, you know, someone saying, well, I love my wife, but I don't like her body. And you would never say that, right? You better not. 
that's not smart. You don't do things like that. I mean, if you love the person, you go after the whole person. And that includes not just the insides, but the outsides too. We're one. You're united. This is who they are. And so too with Jesus. And so if you want to be with Jesus, that means you want to be with his body. And it doesn't make much sense to say, I want to be with Jesus, but I don't want to go to church. Because that's like saying, I want to be with Jesus, but I don't want to be with his body. What? Now, I get it because sometimes, you know, stuff happens, right? Not everything in the fish, not everything in the sea is a fish. We get bit on occasion. We know, I don't want to do that. I want to get out of there. If I just stay locked in my closet in the hole or corner by myself, nobody's going to bother me. Well, true, but you won't be with Jesus' body. It's tough, and it's a little bit of a trade-off, but if you value him more than anything else, even your own pain or suffering, then you'll want to be at church because you want to be with his body. So, number one, you connect to his word. Number two, you connect to his body. You connect to his body. And let me say one other thing about connecting with the body, too. Uh, this is not meant to be morbid, but I, I think you guys know how this goes. If you're ever at a funeral, there is a physical body there. Although the spirit is gone, there's a, often a physical body. But what happens is people who came from that body, the descendants, gather around. And then when the descendants are gathered around, another thing that they do often, whether it's through pictures or at the meal afterwards or sometimes even during the service, is they will share memories. And those memories draw stuff up that's very powerful within us. And it's funny because one person could be sharing a memory and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got that. I was there. I remember it. You're seeing it from a different angle because you're a different person. You experience it in a totally different way. But their experience is enhancing your own and it's strengthening that bond and that relationship. And it's a healing and satisfying time because you're like, oh, I get that. Guess what we're going to do today around Jesus' body and the Lord's Supper and the cup. We'll share our experiences together. And often in church, whether it's a small group, life group, small church, service team, you run into someone and they pray and you're like, wow, they, that happened to them too? Like, that was exactly what happened to me and yet they experienced it from a different way and now their experience is enhancing my own because we have the same relationship. We are from the same blood. We are brought by the blood of Christ. We are together. We're a body. We're united. And although we're very different people and we experience things from different angles, it's the same memory. Oh, it's bringing it back. Being in the body of Christ is healing. It's helpful. Even when there are hurts that have happened within the body of Christ. Like there's hurts that's happened within families. It's still good to share your memories and your experiences. You connect with Jesus through his body. Number one, his word. Number two, his body. And number three, the one we all want. His commandments. 
What did you think I was going to say there, by the way? Any guess? Anyone want to say that out loud? What do we all want from Jesus? Rowdy bunch this morning you are. Wow. I would say most of us are looking forward to when the pastor says, Jesus is love. Jesus is love, right? Like the, It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, Romans says. We want his love. And yet what's crazy about it, what's interesting about this, verses 9 and 10, look what it says in verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Yes, yes, that's what we want. Oh, wait. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Oh, man. If only there weren't any ifs. (laughs) If only there weren't any ifs, right? That would be good. But here's the thing. Jesus isn't trying to be cruel or anything like that. He's just saying, hey, the way you love me is to obey me. And these commands are not for your suffering. These are for your blessing. And even though they seem hard, what we see is that in reality, man, often the hard way is the best way. And the way of blessing is through struggle. Isn't it? I mean, if you want to get the good stuff in the end, it's not easy to get there. The way of blessing is through struggle. And if you keep my commands, that shows me that you love me. You know, you've probably been in a relationship, maybe a parent or something like that, and you're like, kiddos, I love you. And oh, yeah, we love you, we love you. Okay, show me you love me. Show me how. By doing what I ask. Be kind to your brother and sister. If I come running in the door and you're like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm like, what'd you do? Is your mom going to tell me a different story about 10 minutes? What's going on? Why are you being so nice? Oh, you're praising me up and down. That's great. (laughs) What just happened? Show me you love me. For real. And I will really appreciate it. And it's not always just by saying it, but instead it's by, you know, loving someone that I love. Church, do you hear what we're saying here? How do we show him that we love him? How do we abide in his love, man? Do what he says. Do what he says. That's how you show him you love him. Abide in his love. Keep his commandments. And then look what he says. This is the great one. This is the big one. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Our Heavenly Father wants us to show Him that we love Him by loving those who He loves, His children. If we are His descendants in the body of Christ, we need to love one another and lay down our lives. How can we get so worked up over masks and this and that and the other if it's our job to lay down our life? point is to love one another and do the most loving thing and don't worry about anything else if you want to show God that you love him obey his commandments so how do we connect with Jesus he is the vine we are the branches you want to bear fruit you want to thrive what do we do when the storm comes man you go to Jesus 
You look at his word, you fellowship with his body, and you obey his commands. Get in his word, fellowship with his body, and obey his commands. The word, the body, and the commands. That's how you stay connected to the vine. Where do I go in the storm? I go to Jesus. I go to Christ. Let me read to you Psalm chapter 1. I've got to, well, if I can do it on my phone here. Maybe somebody else has it. See if I can, I'm just going to restart my phone, but you look it up while I'm looking it up. Psalm chapter 1. This is a picture of what happens to the vine. All right, I'm going old school. Hang on here, ready? All right, Psalm chapter 1. Psalm 1 says this. It's the way we connect to Christ. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Here we go. Ready? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers because life is being mediated to him. The wicked are not so. They are blown like the chaff and the wind drives them away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, we thank you and praise you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the letters of Paul that were mediated to us from Christ. Thank you for your spirit, which connects us to him. Thank you for his body, which brings it all together. And thank you for the commands, Lord, which are hard, but truly demonstrate that we love him. Lord, I pray that we would grow one step closer to Jesus today, just like our mission and vision say, to be united with Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.